Good morning. Five passages I have on the screen I want to call to your attention. You are to be commended for your interest in the things of God. It is encouraging to be assembled with people with that interest and most important to offer our praise to God, to remember Christ who died for us, and to give our attention now to what the Holy Spirit caused to be written five passages to introduce our subject. John chapter 20 and in verse 1. Now on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb early while it was still dark and saw that the stone had been taken away from the tomb. This, of course, is part of John's account of the resurrection of Christ from the dead. Acts chapter 2 and verse 1. When the day of Pentecost arrived, they were all together in one place. Now, this was the time when the gospel was preached first after the ascension of Christ to heaven and those who responded formed the early church. Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. On the first day of the week when we were gathered together to break bread, Paul talked with them intending to depart on the next day and he prolonged his speech until midnight. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, the opening of that chapter. Now concerning the collection for the saints, as I directed the churches of Galatia, so you also are to do on the first day of every week. And then in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10, John says, I was in the Spirit on the Lord's day. Well, so here we are assembled on the Lord's day. And I need to ask myself from time to time, <clears throat> what does this mean to me? It needs to mean more than just preparing to preach and teach. It needs to mean more than just making the trip in our car from our home to this place. What does this mean to me? What does the Lord's Day mean to you? A variety of impressions may occur to people concerning this particular day of the week. For many people in our world, the thought might run something like this. This is the weekend. I'm off. I don't have to work this weekend. I'm going to sleep in. Or for some people, the thought might be, well, it's Sunday, and I guess I've got to go to church. Now, so far in those comments, you're not hearing anything about the Lord. The question, therefore, needs our attention, my attention, your attention. What does the Lord's day mean to us? Jesus was raised from the dead. 
the church had its beginning. Christians partook of the Lord's Supper. They gave of their means for the Lord's work and for needy saints. John brings up his regard for the Lord's day in Revelation chapter 1 and verse 10. Sadly, John and Paul and their brethren would be in a very small minority today. Church attendance is down. All the statistical studies indicate that. And not just post-pandemic, even before. And we could cite all kinds of reasons why attendance at services are down. But could it be there's just one reason? Lack of interest. Not making the Lord's day a priority. So I think it's a good question. What does the Lord's day mean to you? And I have selected some answers given in Scripture by the Holy Spirit. What does the Lord's day mean to you? It is a time to nurture our reverent gratitude for our Savior. At any time during the week, if someone asks you, are you thankful for Jesus Christ? I'm sure your answer would be yes. And ideally, through our busy weeks, we take time to devote ourselves to the Word and reflect on who Jesus is and what He did for us and what our daily response ought to be to Him. But isn't it great that we have a time set aside specifically for this purpose on the first day of the week to nurture our reverent gratitude for our Savior, what He did for us, who He is to us, and what our response of life ought to be to Him. To sing and pray and study the Word of God, to take the Lord's Supper with grateful hearts such as this. In 1 Timothy 1, 12 through 17, listen to the Apostle Paul. I thank Him who gave me strength, Christ Jesus our Lord, because He judged me faithful, appointing me to His service. Though formerly I was a blasphemer, persecutor, and insolent opponent, but I received mercy because I had acted ignorantly in unbelief, and the grace of our Lord overflowed for me with the faith and love that are in Christ Jesus. The saying is trustworthy and deserving of full acceptance that Christ Jesus came into the world to save sinners of whom I am the foremost. But I receive mercy for this reason, that in me as the foremost, Jesus Christ might display His perfect patience as an example to those who were to believe in Him for eternal life. To the King of the ages, 
immortal, invisible, the only God, be honor and glory forever and ever. Amen. Can we take that kind of gratitude and nurture it by coming to these assemblies? The Lord's Day. What does it mean to you? This was very personal to Paul. His gratitude for Jesus Christ, the mercy of God that he recognized in the work of Jesus Christ. All this was very personal to him. And these are thoughts on a personal level that can be so valuable to us as we assemble and worship and partake of the Lord's Supper on the Lord's day. The Lord said, and Paul repeated, do this in remembrance of me. What does the Lord's day mean to you? <clears throat> it is a time to stir one another up to love and good works. As Brother Wood read to us earlier from Hebrews 10. I'm turning back to Hebrews 10. And I'll remind us this epistle was sent to Christians who were being tempted and tested by persecution. Tempted to leave Christ and return to their previous religion. There isn't any doubt one way that would express itself would have been to abandon the assembling together of the saints. And so the writer said this, Do not neglect to meet together, as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another all the more as you see the day drawing near. In the New King James, not forsaking the assembling of ourselves together, as is the manner of some, but exhorting one another and so much more as you see the day approaching. Whatever English translation you might be holding now, there is no significant difference between translations that this is about the regularity that is necessary in assembling together to worship God. And it is a warning to not neglect this important dimension of our relationship with God and with each other. Do not take this lightly. Carefully consider your absence or your neglect. What does the Lord's Day mean to you? It is a time to set your good motives in place for the rest of the week. Sports teams before a game will assemble to hear the coach remind them of what it's all about. The coach's purpose is to ignite their best interest and stir up their motives and fire up all of their good passions before the game. I think we need our first day of the week event to remind us of what every other day of the week is about. 
I think we need our first day of the week assembly to remind us of what every other day of the week is about. It isn't money. It isn't putting in hours. It isn't social interaction. Every day is about being a disciple of Christ. That's the priority. The first day of the week serves to begin the week with all those right motives reviewed in mind and ready to be activated throughout the rest of the week. <clears throat> Encouraging one another while we're here so that when we're not together, we remember that encouragement, we recall the priorities and values and eternal considerations and warnings of temptation that come up in our study and our worship here. In 1 Timothy 6, 18 and 19, Paul wrote to Timothy, Tell the people they are to do good, to be rich in good works, to be generous and ready to share, thus storing up treasure for themselves as a good foundation for the future, so that they may take hold of that which is truly life. What does the Lord's day mean to you? It is a time to listen to God speak through His Word. And we read about that earlier in Acts 20 and verse 7, where it says on the first day of the week, Christians were gathered together to break bread, and Paul spoke, Paul talked with them, intending to depart on the next day, and prolonged his speech until midnight. We come here to listen to listen to God speak to us through His Word. Don't let, don't let a man, a preacher, or a teacher get in the way of that. When Scripture is read, when Scripture is the basis of what is said here, when it's the groundwork of admonition, the authority behind the warnings, Jesus said, give heed how you listen. Luke chapter 8 and verse 18. Therefore consider carefully how you listen. Whoever has will be given more. Whoever does not have even what they think they have will be taken from them. Be careful how you listen. It is good for us to be here in this place on the Lord's Day every week, but having your car in the parking lot and your body in this building doesn't fulfill your complete duty or answer your spiritual need. You've got to have ears and a mind and concentration as you listen to God's Word. You have to shut the world out. You have to open your Bible and listen and learn and apply. Preachers do their work preparing before the Lord's Day. Then on the Lord's Day, we all have to pay attention. And then use what we learn in real life. Me, you, all of us. I want you to think about two people who come to a place of worship. One comes in with these thoughts. 
I don't like most of these people. I'm not crazy about this place. The song leader is sometimes out of tune. The prayers are not worded the way I think they ought to be worded. And the preacher, he, he just isn't that good. Second person comes in with these thoughts. God is so good to me. I have this privilege to worship God. To remember Christ. To study the word for my nourishment. To be with these good people and to encourage them. And to receive encouragement and give it. Now which person gets the most out of worship? Sometimes the question is, and it has an easy answer, but it needs to be repeated. Sometimes the question or the remark is, do I have to? And there is a whining tone about that, that God hears. Do I have to? The question itself immediately shows a flawed attitude. To consider God's word, God himself, the cross and spiritual nourishment as a grudging, wearisome obligation. Do I have to? Instead of a blessing, a privilege. Do I have to betrays? Everything about believing God is worthy and Christ is to be honored and the words of the Spirit need our attention and our review. And in the Old Testament, do you remember this? I suspect all of you do. I was glad when they said to me, let us go to the house of the Lord. Jesus spoke of this great privilege in John 4, 24, when he said, we worship the Father in spirit and in truth. Now, honest inquiry for me and for you. Is there anything here that we need that I have brought up from Scripture? Do you need to nurture your gratitude for the Savior? Do you need to be stirred up for love and good works? Do you need to have your motives reviewed and adjusted? Do you need to listen to God? Then let us take these opportunities seriously and come here with open, good hearts and reverent minds ready to receive the gracious benefits the Lord intended for assemblies like this. If you know people who need this, speak to them about this in a good way. Pray for them. And let's get back to that old-fashioned evangelistic tool of inviting our friends and neighbors and family members to these assemblies. And if you're not a Christian this morning, we give you an opportunity that is granted by the grace of God. Recognizing God is above all, the Bible is His Word, Christ is the Son of God, sin is the problem, Christ is the solution. Hearing this message, believing in Christ, confessing that faith, 
being baptized, repenting of your sin, living faithfully, you have this opportunity as we stand together and as we sing. When Jesus comes to reward his servant.